0: Well, good morning. Welcome here from Grace Life Church in Jemison. We're thrilled to be here this morning on June the 6th, 2021. Man, what an awesome year we're having in Jesus. You know, it was just, it was about this time last year that everything in the world was chaotic. Wasn't it? I mean, not just in the United States, but all over the world. And, um, you know, as always, it took faith in Christ and we had to change some things, the way we did it, how we did it. Um, not criticizing anyone else, but we, we never stopped having services. Uh, not for the purpose of um, the health thing. We we took uh, precautions there and, and anyone was able to come anywhere they wanted to. And the um, reason why we, I don't know why I'm telling this story. The reason why we met is because we wanted to protect the Constitution of the United States of America. I was, I was, uh, talking with um uh, win goss and he said uh he got he got to preach uh two weeks ago in wales he said first time i've been allowed out of my home to preach in a building in 15 months wow. so and i talked to him three four times i said so you're not able to go anywhere with just a handful of people he says no i mean you have to understand we we have no constitution we we, we have no rights he said we're allowed to go out two, three days a week within so many miles, and we, you have to this time to this time to go do what you got to do. So his ministry was completely shut down, shut down. His livelihood was completely shut down. Well, that didn't affect everybody that way. But, but, but God took care of him the whole, the whole time. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And he says, you know, you just, you just never think about it. He says, so this is, I mean, could you imagine, well, I mean, you only could imagine if this is what you did. But to be a minister of the gospel and not able to preach and be with people for 15, not even be with them. I don't mean be in the congregation and not be preaching. I mean, not not even, can't even congregate. And uh, so he he said uh, he couldn't hardly wait to get to church, you know, to be with the people after 15 months. I imagine that was quite a service. Don't you imagine? Well we're, we're uh, this morning and we've been talking about the goodness of God and, and, and you know everything uh, everything would, would fit under that and I want to do read you, I want to read a couple of scriptures about the goodness of God but I have a little different assignment this morning. we're not abandoning that message. Uh, it'll take from now into about three trillion years into eternity to scratch the surface of it. and so I'm going to do a little bit while we're on the earth but this morning I'm to read you two scriptures about the goodness of God and one's in first Chronicles 16:34 you don't have to turn there. It says, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his loving kindness is everlasting. And then Nahum, don't look for Nahum. You may not find it until we get out of church. But you ought to read the book of Nahum one day, because one day you're going to meet Nahum in heaven, and he's going to say, did you read my book? <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to just feel like so awkward. You say, now man, Pastor West, I should have read his book, and now here I am meeting Nahum. And I didn't even know where he was at in the book. So, so you could at least say, well, I know, I, I know something that you said. And they have said in uh first chapter, verse, verse 7, he says, The Lord is good, and he is a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who take refuge in him. Isn't that good? He is good. So we, we have said that we know God is good. And as we say, God's good when? He's good all the time. All the time. And everything he does is good, but he's not good because he does good things. He's just good. If, if he just decided never to have a creation of people, a race of people to be his, he would still would have been, he would have expanded all the space and universe, whatever you want to call it, before he created anything. And he would have just been him, the, his son, and Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit, and they just all would have been good. With no one else, they would have been good. So he is good in, in all, his, all his actions, but he's not good because of his actions. And many times, you know, we give testimony. There's nothing wrong. to say, the Lord's been good to me, and we'll tell why. And all that's good, and we need to do that. Not, don't, don't stop doing that. But I'm just saying that's not why he's good. He just is good. So we, we, I asked Brother Bill, I said, are, are you a man And he said, or a woman? He said, I'm a man. I said, well, was you a man yesterday? He said, yesterday, and, all, and all, from the first day of my life, and he's, I said, will you be a man tomorrow? He says, yeah. So will Bill be a man whether he's good today or bad today? Are y'all thinking about that? <laughs> so, but he's, he's not a man. He's not male based on his, on his action. He's born male. God wasn't born, he always was. You say, explain that, I can't. I'll let someone much smarter than me come up and give a stab at it. But he always was good and he always is good. So every time I know I'm I'm gonna come to him, I'm never never wondering if he's mad at me or if he's not gonna be good to me because if you squeeze an orange, you're just not gonna get lemon juice out of it because there's no lemon in it. If you you put the squeeze on God, all you're gonna get is good and glory. Amen. Amen. Well, let me let me get to our assignment. I'm I'm excited about this assignment because I mean, I don't know how you know this and this can happen. But ministers sometimes will have a series and, and they'll start building towards that series and then they know things and they'll study it out. This is something uh, part part of that is true, but only about five percent. That's true. This is one of those things that I enjoy where I was wa- wanting to go with number three of the goodness of God. And he says interruption for this moment. And, uh, and, I, and he knows I, he can interrupt me anytime he wants to. Amen. He can interrupt me right now and I'll sit down. Amen. That means that, you know, that means that, that Zach is going to have to come up and take my place. And he looks ready to me. Y'all think he looks ready? He looks ready. That gal next to him sure does make him look good, doesn't it? <laughs> That means he's a smart man. A smart man. I'm going to start with Isaiah uh, chapter 11, verse two. And uh, to title this uh, is going to be wisdom is more a who than a what. Wisdom is more a who than a what. So uh, Isaiah 11:2 says, the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. Now, we know he's talking about Jesus here, right? The spirit of wisdom and understanding is who he is. He's the spirit of counsel and might. He's the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. Now, I've got several verses, and we're going to just go through some verses, and then we'll make comment. Uh, these, these are self-explanatory, but you could take this one verse, and, and I could just finish today. and If we just close the Bible, we'll never look to anything else. But here we see that we're talking about the wisdom of God. The spirit of the Lord is the rest upon him is the spirit of wisdom. How many know Jesus is the spirit of wisdom? Mm-hmm. How many of the Holy Ghost is, is, is referenced in the Bible as the spirit of wisdom? Now, mm-hmm. and you can either write these down. I mean, by the time you get there, I may be gone somewhere else. But Proverbs nine ten says the fear of the Lord, which you don't hear much teaching on the fear of the Lord. I think because people's afraid of it. Well, God doesn't want you to be afraid of Him, and when you when you and I think most of you know this, but when you hear about the fear of the Lord, that's not something that God's saying, "Be afraid of me," because God loves you and wants to have an intimate relationship with you. Right? How can you have an intimate relationship with someone you're afraid of? You can't. But we do we do know what He's talking about is what the, the reverential fear and awe of the Lord, that I that I, He loves me so much, and I love Him because He first loved me, that there's there's a reverential fear that I don't want to do anything that would hurt him. I don't want to do anything in my actions, in my thoughts, if, I, if if all possible, or to you, to anyone, because if I hurt you, I hurt him. Remember what Jesus said to Saul on the road to Damascus? He said, why do you kick against the pricks? He said, because what you're doing to them, you're doing it to me. He you knows. He says, what you're doing to my people, I take very personally as, as if you were doing it to me. So it's very important that we understand that the fear, he says, the fear of the Lord, Proverbs 9, 10, is the beginning of wisdom. Isn't that interesting that, that wisdom only can begin when, when you have a healthy fear of the Lord? And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For by me, your days will be multiplied. Wow. And the years of your life will be added. So for those who say, well, you know, everyone's got a time and God's already decided the time. Um, you know, and when that day gets here, you know, I've had people stand up and just argue. I'm not gonna argue with this. I say, well, when your time's up, nothing can stop it. And if it's not your time, I don't care what the dog says, you ain't going. If it is your time, I don't care what they do, you're going. Uh, that's, that's taking sovereignty, which God is sovereign, and taking it to an unhealthy place. Because there's so many scriptures in the Bible that talks about if you do this and you make this choice and you make this decision, this can add years to your life and this, or live this way and you can take years off of your life, right? Well, God is sovereign from Genesis to Revelation. But it, it never takes away man's choice. God never took away our choice. So we can make choices, we can make choices for ourselves that add blessing or we can hurt ourselves. We can or would bring a curse into our life. And so he says, your days will be multiplied and your years will be added. And what so uh, I, this is some of the comments that just this is kind of what I came up with. This is what I heard. He says, what you what you can tolerate, you will not change. Now, th- th- this is an interesting message for me. You, you may not come across this to you. This is one he would not let me, let, let me alone about. And I said, so you, you really want the people to hear this? He says, absolutely. I said, so you know who will be there? He says, I do. And I said, it'd be wonderful if everybody would receive it. He said, it doesn't always work that way. Very seldom does it work that way. He says, but I know who will be there and who needs it, and I know who will hear it, and I know whose life will change because of this one message. And I thought I was through with this thing. And then Friday night, he woke me up at 2 o'clock in the morning and said, get that notebook. He said, got some more things to say. Then last night, I got up and it was 1 something o'clock. He says, uh, there's, there's something else that, that, that you're not getting that I need you to understand and get to the people. So this is just kind of me sitting down. you know. And I'm never, I don't do dictation, but if, if I was just sitting there, I'm just sitting there while he's talking and I'm making notes. So there's there's a part of man in this, but I want you to I just want you to understand that this message is not something I studied and I came up with. I just listened and I wrote down what he said. Okay. so he said to me, he says, what you tolerate, you can never change because the instructions you follow determines the future you create. Did you get that? The instructions that you follow determines the future that you will create. He says, remember, during the drought and famine, I instructed Isaac to sow his seed into the parched, dry ground and not go with others to Egypt. He obeyed the instruction and he reaped a hundredfold that year. That ain't possible. That is not possible to to put seed in the ground that's already parched and dried and cut the rows out any way that you can not put seed in and have no rain and you have a hundredfold harvest. Is that possible, no. Pastor Bill? I mean, you're, you're growing a garden. Can you do it without water? No. So that, that's supernatural, isn't it? So, this is the wisdom of God speaking to him. He says, Don't go with the masses of people that are all going to Egypt. You. you just stay here. I have a different plan for you. So, God knows in his wisdom, he knows how to grow vegetables and fruits with no water. Now, does he always do that? Obviously not. But, did, but can he do it? He absolutely can. And if he could do it without water, I suppose he could do it without the seed. And, if, and I suppose, I don't know how he'd do it. He, he might even do it without the ground, <laughs> if all things are possible. Then he said to me, he said, Elijah commanded the widow of Zarephath in 1 Kings 17, that the lack of food and the famine that she was, have, was having was not my will for her. She listened to the prophet and she made him the cake first. That cake became the seed for a perpetual miracle of prosperity. That, that little handful of meal, that little small seed that she had, became a perpetual miracle for her. If you read in the book of James, it says, In this day, many died, widows and all, but not this woman. She took what little she had, like taking a seed, And she put that seed in the ground, one seed. Pastor Bill was talking about this when he was teaching the other day. It's just, I mean, I I know we know this, but it's it's just amazing that that you can take one seed and put it into the ground, into dirt. And the seed knows what to do, and the dirt knows what to do with the seed. And and it doesn't need any of your input. You don't have to get down into the ground and talk to the seed or to the dirt. You know why? Because God already spoke to it before you did. He told the dirt what to do with the seed, and he told the seed what was in it, so when you get in, when, when, when you get wrapped up in dirt, he said, this is what you're gonna become. Amen. We were made out of dirt, and, and God already spoke to us before we took our first breath. He breathed into us, and he told us everything that we're gonna be. And this morning, he wants to, to remind you of what you're gonna be, and show you the path to get there. Amen. Okay, I got a long ways to go, and a short time to do it. Now, in 1 Corinthians 1 I won't turn there for sake of time. It says, Christ, important, important scripture, Christ is the power of God, and Christ is the wisdom of God. He's the power of God, and He's the wisdom of God. So, wisdom is more a who than a what, because wisdom is Jesus. Jesus is wisdom. Wisdom is not a creed, and it's not simply just a doctrine. Wisdom is a person. First Corinthians one30 30 through 31 in the ESV version says, And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that as it is written, that the one who boasts, make sure he makes his boast in the Lord. So Jesus is wisdom and he he is the power of God and the wisdom of God and he's made that wisdom to be known unto you. Wisdom, here's something wisdom is not. We're talking about the wisdom of God. Wisdom is not smarts. It's not intelligence. It's not a high IQ. It's not knowledge so that you can go win trivial pursuit. That's, That's natural knowledge. I'm talking about the wisdom of God. So to find wisdom, the wisdom of God, you, ne- you need to search no further than Jesus Christ himself. And you have found the source of all wisdom. The source of all wisdom. Now, Matthew eleven twenty seven 27 says this in the NRSV. It says, all things are handed over to me by my father, Jesus said. And no one knows the son except the father. That's a broad statement. No one knows, Jesus says, no one knows me except the Father. Then he said, and no one knows the Father except me, the Son. But he says, I reveal him whom I, I reveal, I, Jesus, I, the Son, reveal the Father to whom I choose to reveal him. Now, so Jesus, what? Uh, just to, to put this in a reference, uh, Jesus is claiming to be the sole revelator of God. Do you know anyone anyone who can do that, make that claim? Jesus made the claim. He says, no one knows me but him, and no one knows him but me. So he says, I I am the sole revelator of God himself. Pretty strong statement. Wouldn't want to say it if it was lightning. (laughs) Now, Jesus said this. I I got three or four verses, then we'll make some comments. John 14, 9, Jesus declared, if you have seen me, you have saw the Father. How many have saw the hand of Jesus work in your life in others' lives? How many have had him speak to you and you know by his spirit he spoke to you? Now this is simple, but listen. You you said, of your own admonition, that you've, you've seen the hand of God work through Jesus, and you've seen maybe healing, and you've seen needs met, you've seen Jesus work in people's lives. According to Jesus, you just saw the Father. So if anyone has ever asked you, have you ever seen God? Ever heard from God say yes? And say, actually, I saw him. Every time Jesus, te- he went about the cities teaching, preaching, and healing. That was, that was the works of Jesus. So when you, when you see that, when you read it, you saw it. You had a testimony. And when, and when you go act upon that, or you see others actively involved in the ministry of Jesus, you are seeing the Father. So I think when, one day, I could be wrong about this. I've been wrong several times before. I won't bring any reference to him this morning. But, 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 but when we get to heaven, I think when we see God, we will feel like we've already saw him. I don't know how that's going to work. It's like, I don't, I'm not saying we'll know every facet of him, but I don't think it'll be such a strange, you know, when you get there, you'll say, of course, that's the Father. Somehow I know that somehow I have seen him before because I've, I've seen him. He, he's been in my life and uh, he's been in the lives of others and, and I've seen him. So Jesus said, "If you, Philip, he said, he says, quit asking to see the Father because if you have saw me, he said, you, you've already seen him. That's what he said. Amen. I mean, he said it. I didn't say it. I didn't get this out of Reader's Digest. This is not popular mechanics or road track. Hmm? This is This is the scripture. Now, Paul said he, Jesus, is the very image of the invisible God. But God wanted to make himself visible, so he came in the person of Jesus. It was was actually, Corinthians said it was God who was in Christ because he wanted to take on flesh and be made visible. So you could say it this way, and it would be correct. Yes, Jesus went to the cross, but it was God who is perfect, who is holy, who is righteous, he, he, you know. Actually, God went to the cross. Actually, they crucified God. God went to the cross f- for humanity, all humanity and their sin. Wow. Well, now Hebrews 1, and if you can put this up on the screen, Hebrews 1, and this is the Amplified version, seems better in that one than uh, the rest of them. Hebrews 1 one through three. I'd like to read that for Ken. Hebrews one, one through three and Amplified. As in many separate revelations, each of which set forth a portion of the truth. In different ways, God spoke of old to our forefathers and by the prophets. But in the last days, he has spoken to us in the person of a son. Whom he, God appointed heir and lawful owner of all things also by and through him. He created the worlds and the reaches of space. He created the ages of time. He made, produced, built, operated, and he arranged them in order. I think he knows what he is doing. Amen. You're going to be okay. <laughs> did you hear? Did, did you see what he did? What he he created, what he made, and and he built them, produced them, operated them, arranged them in order. Surely he knows how to pay your light bill. Surely he does. Now, look at verse 3. He, Jesus, is the sole expression of the glory of God. He's the light being. He's the outraying of radiance of the divine. Jesus Christ is the perfect imprint, the very image of God's nature, upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe by his mighty word of power. When, when he had by offering himself accomplished our cleansing of sins and he ridded us of all guilt, when he did that, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of God on high. So Jesus is the very essence and the imprint of God. So this tells us that long ago, God revealed his will through men who used to speak for him. He said they had a portion of truth. John 17, he says, no one has ever known him. Uh, And so when you say that, that means they knew of him. They had maybe, Moses had many experiences with him. Abraham had many, many experiences with him. But Jesus says no one has ever known him. You would know this, I'm sure, but if, but when you look in all the Old Testaments, there's no reference to the Father. There's only reference to God. Jesus brought out the Father that had never been revealed. All the all the prophets brought out, you know, El Shaddai, Elohim, Jehovah, right, and all the redemptive names of God, but no one until Jesus came ever brought out the Father of God, the Fatherhood of God. And and when 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 I'm in my time of prayer and worship, I like to reference him many times as father. I understand and and I I give him all praise because he is the God of the universe. But when it comes to I want to have a personal talk to him, I want to go talk to my dad. I want to go talk to my father. I want to go up to the throne of grace and I know he's God. And man, there's, there's no way to, to express the, the, how big that statement is. But how many would, would, would like to go and sit on the father's lap? Who is God? Amen. This is not going down to the mall and find Santa Claus and tell him, you know, you'd like a little red tricycle. Now, this is God himself. So Jesus said, if you ever have conversation with me, he said, you're talking to God. If you ever have me talking to you, God is talking, the God of the universe, who created all the universe, billions of galaxies, is talking to you in your car, the shower, or the living room. And how amazing is that? There's only like seven and a half billion people on the planet. And and he knows, he wakes me up and says, get that notebook. I said, which one? He says, that brown one. I said, this one? He says, yeah, that one. I'm thinking... Did, did, did you know I'm in Jimison, Alabama? It's two o'clock in the morning. And you know, I got a brown notebook. He said, yeah, that's what I want you to get. He said, we're, we're not through talking about this. I said, it's two o'clock in the morning. He said, I'm wide awake. I said, yeah, well you are. <laughs> he, says, he says, these are my people that you'll be in front of Sunday. He said, I purchased them with my blood. And I want them free. So he says, you tell them or you write down what I tell you to tell them. I said, "I, I said, well, I thought we was going to preach on the goodness of God. He said, what do you think this is? <laughs> I said, well, see, we, we would build it. You know, if you were, I, I would build the sermon this way. It'd be expository, it'd be topical, it'd be whatever. He said, I don't need your topical expository anything. He says, can you hear it? Yes, sir. He said, do you have a pen? Yes, sir. He said, I know you have a brown notebook, right? Yeah, he says, right, son. So if you don't like it, then you just don't like how God preaches. Amen. Hallelujah. So, so John 15, he said, all things I have heard from my father. This is powerful. Jesus said, everything that I've heard from my father, I've made known unto you. Paul said another place, he said, I've kept nothing back from you that's profitable. So he, we know he's not a withholder. Not only did he speak his father's will, Jesus, but he lived it openly in the most trying circumstances, as a witness to all humanity. John 14, 9, once again, Jesus said to to Philip, He who has seen me has seen the Father. Through Jesus, God was displayed. Through Jesus, the Father's character was displayed, his heart and his goodness and his truth. Jesus Christ is the very perfect imprint of God himself in the flesh. Jesus is the very perfect imprint and picture of God's unconditional love. His mercy, his compassion, his love for sinners, his love for the tax collector, the prostitute, the betrayer, the liar, the demon possessed, the addicted, the sick, the diseased, the tormented, and those who opposed him. And he is the very one who loves those who crucified him when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, is overqualified to be your counselor. and that's quite a statement to make. Now, I could have went to the scripture, and when, he, and when he gave me that, I knew the scripture. John 14, 16, you read in Amplified, it gives you, you know, like sevenfold. He'll be your advocate and counselor, strength, or standby. But the way he said to me, he says, Jesus is the wisdom of God. He said, and he's in your life by, by, by the Spirit of God spirit of truth and the spirit of grace and the spirit of wisdom, Holy Spirit. And he says, and he's over, tell the people that I'm overqualified to be their counselor. So you don't need a second opinion. <laughs> Amen. So, and the, and I know this is just, I mean, I'm kind of awed that I'm, I don't get to do this this often. I just get to Listen and just write. So he said to me, he says, so tell them to smile because he says, he says, frowns make permanent wrinkles. <laughs> I didn't have that. It's like, <laughs> really? Well, that's true, doesn't it? If you frown a lot, you can make permanent wrinkles. He says, so smile. He doesn't, he don't like those wrinkles. He says, tell them that they don't have marriage problems. Tell them they don't have money problems. Jesus tell them they don't have family, children, or work-related problems. He said to tell them the only problem they have is a wisdom problem. Tell them that only one word from me can change their whole life. If Jesus is, is the totality of all wisdom, and he is, and he's made wisdom unto you, then you don't have a financial issue or a marriage problem. You simply have a wisdom problem. We lack to understand what he understands. But he wants to relay his wisdom to you. And Deuteronomy 30, 30, 15 in NIV, it says, See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. And then verse 19 in the ERE translation, said, he says, Today, I'm giving you a choice of two ways. You got a choice of two ways. And I call heaven and earth to be a witness of your choice. In other words, he says, I'm going to give you a choice two ways. And I'm waiting to make your choice. And then when you make a choice, he says, it's going to be written down in heaven. He said, uh, the ERV says, heaven and earth. I call heaven and earth to to be witness of your choice. Now, he says, you can choose life or death. He said, the first choice, life, he said, "it, it will bring a blessing. He said, the other choice will bring a curse. He says, choose life. I, he said, I gave you free will, but it's like she, she's alive, right? <laughs> he says, then you, do, then you and your children shall live. Hmm. Now, here's where it gets interesting. Proverbs 4:7 7, 7 says, Wisdom is the principal thing. The principal thing is wisdom. Therefore, he says, get wisdom. And with all your getting, get understanding. Verse 8 says, Wisdom will exalt you or wisdom one translation said will promote you how many like to have a promotion in life I would too amen he says well wisdom will do it the wisdom of God will do it watch here he says when you exalt her truth when you exalt wisdom's truth she will lead you to honor and favor when you live by her insights that's the passion passion translation I think Wow, that's that's powerful. Now, I was reminded that he says, you taught some things along this line. He said, almost a year ago. He said, almost a year ago. And I said, yeah, that's right. And I said, I don't know where those notes are. He said, it's in the little it's in the little green notebook. And I said, do you know everything? He says, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. And I said, I don't even know what notebook is. He said, You got four bookshelves in front of you. It's to your far left on the second shelf down to the corner. You didn't put it rest in notebooks. And I said, I got to see this to believe it. That's terrible. And I got up and I said, Like Gomer Pyle said, Shazam! There it was. So he said, I, I taught something about this about a year ago. And I looked and I taught it on July the 12th. That's about a year ago. I think God knows what's going on with our life. <laughs> this is what we said that on, he says, uh, there's three words that are used to link together, and, and, the, and these words are wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And for, for sake of quick study, I'll say it this way. Solomon understood the three concepts of, of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. He, he understood them. And, um, and because he understood them, it made Solomon a very impactful leader. And God wants you and I to have influence in this world. And, and when we do, he said, I'll bring you before kings. I'll bring you before influ- influential people. Well, not me. I just, I dropped out in the 10th grade and, you know, I didn't even get my GED or I did get it or whatever. That, that's, that's nothing. That's absolutely nothing. You know, some people, they say, te- you know, they preach from the Greek and some people preach from the Hebrew. And one guy said, I didn't go to Bible school and I don't know Greek or Hebrew. He said, I just, just got to preach by the Holy Ghost. Well, that's the guy you want to listen to. Amen. So let's break these three components down very simple, simply this. Knowledge is information, understanding is comprehension, wisdom is application. Say it again knowledge is information, understanding is comprehension, and wisdom is application. That's why wisdom is supreme. Remember, wisdom is the principal thing, it's supreme. Because you can know something. You, you can know, you can have information. Remember, inf- knowledge is information, but wisdom is supreme. He said because you can know something, but not understand it. You can understand it, but not apply it. Nothing is complete until it becomes wisdom. Wisdom is knowledge, understood and applied. I have a, a smartphone. It's my smartphone, but it does much more than I know how to do with it. So a lot of times when I don't know what to do with it, I hand it to a, someone who's about 12 years old. I said, could you fix this? Michelle had me her phone the other day. And she says, I can't make my pictures, you know, when I flip them, turn sideways. And I said, let, let me see it. And I, like, oh. I said, I can't either. <laughs> Just, you know, grandkids will be here one day. <laughs> they'll do it. <laughs> well, I'm sure her phone does that but she doesn't know how to do it, and I don't know how to do it. Hint, Elliot, Lawrence, anywhere in the building, anywhere in the building. (laughs) So, we have knowledge that'll do it. We we understand that'll do it, but we don't have the wisdom to apply it. Y'all with me? It's simple when when you listen to it this way. That's why wisdom is more important than knowledge Because a smoking doctor, and I could do this. I I mean, mean, I'm not picking on smokers, but this could be a lot of things. It could be diet. It could be anything. But just say it this way. Because a smoking doctor is someone who has knowledge, but he has no wisdom. Because you can possess knowledge and kill yourself because you're not applying it. Some people have come to church for years. This is the Lord. He says, some people have come to church in your church for years, to, took notes, and some yelled amen and never applied it. Never applied it. So it will never become wisdom to them. I won't allow it. Hmm. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God applied. He's the wisdom of God applied. God could have said, I love you. But because you've died in the sin of Adam, you'll go to hell. But he didn't. He had knowledge and beyond that he had understanding and beyond that he had wisdom. So he sent his only begotten son that who would ever believe within him would not perish but have everlasting life. Now we know Jesus is omniscient, he's all knowing. We know he's all powerful. We know he's the ruler of the universe. We know he's the king of kings, lord of lords. But until we seek him and his righteousness, we never come to wisdom. Now, please listen to this because maybe through someone else, he could have said this better, but I just simply listened. So I don't have anything in here as original, even though I didn't write this out of a book. I didn't hear a sermon. I just simply listened. And he knows who he's working with and working through. He says, do not let your head or your mind take the place where only faith in him and his word become revelation to you. As you meditate on him, as you are in him, he will open up your understanding to everything that he has prepared and made ready for you. You will not see it until you see him. You will not experience his goodness without the wisdom. That he is good. When that time comes, when you've prepared your heart and made it available for him and him only, he will fill it. You will have experience through the intimacy of the fellowship more than what you can take in. Then he he gave me an illustration of this. He said, you remember when Jesus came to the Sea of Galilee and he asked Peter, can I borrow your boat? And he got on the boat and he used it to preach. You remember that? Luke chapter five. Then he preached and then the people went away. And then uh, Peter had, you know, he went fishing and stuff like that. And uh, so Jesus says, hey, let's. He says, thrust out a little bit for a catch. And, and, and you know, and Peter says, well, you know, Peter, Peter's a commercial fisherman. Jesus was a carpenter, and now he's, he's taking up preaching on the side, so to speak. Not, not true, but you understand what I'm saying. And Peter says, he says, Master, Rabbi, we've, we've teacher, we've, we have fished all night. Me and, and my commercial fishermen, we have fished all night and caught nothing. He says, yeah, well, okay. Well, just, just thrust out. Until I tell you, he says, then throw your nets on the other side. Now, here's here's what I heard. So Peter obeyed the Lord, he he threw out a net, he didn't throw out nets, he threw out a net, and he threw it on the opposite side. Then he experienced a supernatural transaction from the physical realm into the spiritual realm He said many times people, many times because we are living life in only the natural realm or natural realities, we fail to enter into, he said, his best or his rest. He said, the greatest blessing for you is usually on the opposite side. He says, you've been doing it, you know everything about this, you got all this knowledge about fishing. He said, you caught nothing. I'm telling you, you go out there during the middle of the day and he says, and and let's, let's throw it on the opposite side. Sometimes you're saying, Lord, why not? I've been praying how long, how long is it going to take? Why haven't you answered me? You know, where, 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 where's the breakthrough? And generally, he said it's on the opposite side of where you've been, where you've been fishing. Y'all hear? Einstein said, no problem can be solved from the same level of consciousness that created it. To say that more simply, the thinking that got you into your problem will not get you out. Hmm. Mike Murdoch said, you're only gonna be remembered for two things, the problems you solve and the ones you created. <laughs> <laughs> Seem like people remember more the ones you created, don't they, That's <laughs> to remind you. We are here called by God for the purpose of God to solve problems. Every one of you, that's, what, that, that's, that's really what we do as, as Christians, as believers, and as a church. We're here to solve problems. Where, where you work, you solve problems. Every one of you, when you go to your workplace, every, everyone had a need, they had a desire, they had a, they had a problem, and God gifted you and called you and graced you to solve problems. What we try to do is get problems out of our, out of our life and the thing is not to get the problem out of your life you see Jesus understood this because when he first preached in Luke 4:18, he said the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's anointed me to preach the gospel to who first off what to the and then the Not only wisdom, we don't have knowledge. <laughs> 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 now, watch here. The Spirit of the Lord Jesus is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recover the sight to the blind, to set liberty to them that bruise, bruised, and to preach accept the acceptable year of the Lord. He was called to solve problems. E- every one of these people had problems, right? They, they either were poor or they were brokenhearted, or they were sick, they needed deliverance, they needed recovery the sight of the blind, they were bruised, and they needed to, to experience the acceptable year of the Lord. These were all problems. Jesus didn't run away from the problems. He said, I'm, an, I'm anointed to solve problems. You are a problem solver. Anointed by God with the wisdom of God in you to solve any problem that you come up against whether it's mental, emotional, physical, financial, in your family, whatever, you are anointed by God to solve that problem, so don't run away from the problem. You say, man, I got, I just go, guy, he don't have any problems, he's got one two, I got 20. Thank God you got them. Now, I, I, I'm not saying, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying, that we know the enemy brings all kind of things to our life, but the thing about that is this, if, if, if you're frustrated because your neighbor's got one problem, two problems, you've got 20, and that frustrates you, that he might say, but I've given you a grace and a gift to, to solve these issues, to solve these problems. If, if you're not going to operate in the gift and grace to do it, I'll, just, I'll give yours to someone else, and I'll give your situation to someone with less ability. Than what, what I gave you, because you're not operating in the ability that I gave you. So if you have a lot of issues going on, you have a lot of problems, don't take that as God's mad at you, He's forsaking you. No, He's gifting you and graced to you to speak into people's life and to solve problems. Well, there's not a natural answer. It's, it's just not a natural answer. When, when that woman a woman in 1 Kings 17, she said, I, I, I don't have a cake left. Man of God, I just I have a handful of meal. And when you came, that's what we were doing. We were gathering sticks to build a fire. She says, I'm gonna make a little cake and we're gonna eat it and we're gonna die. That's a problem. Elijah said, I heard you make me a cake first. She says, Alabama, she says, Can't you hear? What's up with you? Prophet, I don't have a cake. I have a handful a handful of meal. He says, I hear you. Just make me a cake first. Do you know what the media would do with that if, 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 if a minister did that right now? I know they're going to take your house. I know they're going to take your car. I know you don't have a job. But just send me that little bit you have first. Boy, they would crucify you for doing that. Hmm? But Jesus said the, the widow woman who gave her two mites far got his attention more than who had abundance. And they threw in a little you're not only to solve your problems, you're to solve other people's problems. You're, you're, you're not their answer. You're, you're, you're not responsible for their life, but you're responsible for what God puts you in their life for. There's many things in, the, in this world. Like Pastor Matt will go next, next week to Peru. He'll, he'll, he'll be there for a week or so, and, and we'll miss him for a couple Sundays, but he's going to go there to solve a problem. Because he's anointed to solve the problem. He's like, "They're lost, but I know what to do with that. They're sick. That's not a problem. He said, "We might run across some demon-possessed people. He says, "What's in me? We'll just cast it out. Said, it's not a problem. It's just a matter of me getting there." Right So you have that ability in you and the wisdom of God to do it. So when you get to a place where you don't know what to do, you have to remember. Now, wait a minute. The spirit, Jesus, the the spirit of wisdom and grace and might and counsels in Jesus and he's in me. So there's no place in this thing called stuck. Because if you're stuck and you're in Jesus, then somehow you've tapped him out. Peter says, there's nothing to catch today. He says, "Okay, we'll just thrust out a little bit. Let's just have some fun. He says, well, you don't fish it during the day. I mean, the fish can see your net. He says, just thrust out. Just please thrust the boat out. And he started to throw the net probably on this side. He said, uh -uh." He said, other side. Other side? Uh Uh-huh. Where was the answer for Peter? It was the opposite of what he was doing. Sometimes we, we, we just see this, and that's what we do with the revelation sometimes. We all love revelation, but sometimes if our revelation's wrong then we, and we get a revelation, we try to build it on top of that. Instead of uprooting, I mean, it's like renovating. Sometimes you have to just be honest with yourself and say, I just thought this is the way it is, the way it worked, and, and this is, I've, I've come to see the truth. So you have to dig out, you have to remove, you have to, you know, you have to tear the walls down, so to speak. You've got to completely demolish, and you've got to put in a new foundation before you build the walls. You can't put, you, you, you can't put you know, new on top of the old. You can't, you, can't put, you can't place the old covenant on top of the, or the new covenant on top of the old and mix them together and say, now we're going somewhere. You're not going somewhere, you're a confused mess. A confused mess. And you'll never understand the goodness of God because you're always going to be guilty before God. You're, you're, you're always going to have a sin consciousness instead of a Son of God consciousness. You're, you're going to fail sometime, if not every day. And when you're sin conscious, Satan is going to eat your lunch, as Andrew Wong said, pop your bag, and that's going to be the end of your day. But when you understand that you're the righteous of God in Christ Jesus, and greater is he that's in you, and that in your spirit you're identical to Jesus, even that when you make a mistake and fail, you still understand and tell Satan, I made a mistake, but, but, but it's covered in the blood of Jesus. I'm, I'm in the new covenant, I'm a son of God. So even when I made a mistake, you still understand that your head is under my foot even while I made that mistake. Because Jesus paid for this mistake ever before I got to this Thursday and did it. So you're still under their sucker. In other words, I'm right and you're wrong because of who's in me. Who's in me is right. So if you want to talk about me, talk about the one in me because that's who I am. No, Eric, but you missed it. Eric died. (laughs) So you can't talk about Eric no more. He he was died and buried. And we went into a baptism. Symbolic of what of Jesus dying and going to the depths of the earth and paying the total price for it. But they know half that three days, what happened to him? He was raised up by the glory of God, by the operation of faith and he says, when when I'm raised up, I'm going to raise every one of y'all up at the same time. (laughs) Every one of you is down. You've been buried. You're you're dead in sins and your trespasses. You have no way out of this. You you don't have a way out of this. But he says, but I am the God of all wisdom and I know how to get you out of this situation that you're in, that you put yourself in, that Adam puts you in, of your own mistakes and validity and you did this. You walked away. You you may have walked away from me, but I'm never gonna walk away from you. You might have turned your back on me, but I will never turn my back on you. He says, one, two, three, get ready, rise. Hallelujah. And we was raised with him as he vanquished every one of his enemies. Vanquished him, paraded them around as captives, and said, this is him. So Isaiah said, concerning the son of the son of perdition, Lucifer himself, that you look at him one day and say, "That's him. That's the one who caused all the pro- that little that little imp, that little sucker out right there caused all this problem. He's kicked out of heaven. He's a fired employee." why are we listening and taking counsel from a fired employee who's homeless? His home as hell is not even heaven. He's roaming around the earth. He, he's homeless. And we're listening to someone who's homeless? Who's been kicked out of heaven? The Bible says, neither give him place, because if you don't give him one, he can't take one. Some of you needed to hear that. If you don't give, that's Ephesians 4, 27 says, he says, Give Satan no place. Let him have no advantage over you because if you don't give him a place, he can't take it. He can't take it. Well, how does he know if he can take it? What comes out of his mouth? Oh, I'm hurting. Oh, I'm sick. Oh, I'm poor. All of this, oh, networks. You know. Hmm? Almost three. Praise the Lord. So, so Einstein, so Einstein said that and uh, that no problem can be solved from the same level of consciousness that created it. Going on with what I heard, how you see yourself will determine the person that you become. And if I see the Christ man or woman in me, all things become possible. The image that you have of yourself will always determine how you respond to life and to its circumstances. Remember James 1, 1, 8 says a double minded man is unstable in all of his ways all 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 not some a double minded man he says they're they're always unstable in all their ways. I looked up the word unstable someone who's wavering uncertain and doubting which means they hesitate between two thoughts or opinions or ideas. They hesitate. They say, "What's your decision?" You say, "Well, my my decision is uh maybe." <laughs> well. You, you, you can't go down the middle of the road. You can't just go down the middle of the road. The, 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 only, the only thing in the middle of the road is white lines and dead armadillos. <laughs> or possums. <laughs> right? No. Your, your your decision, let your yays be yays and your nays be nay. Amen. So, when we know the truth of God's word, that is the wisdom of God speaking to your heart. That is the wisdom of God that speaks to your heart. But But until you decide to believe it, All you have is knowledge. See, there's people who has a lot, there's a lot of word people who has a lot of knowledge. Lots of knowledge. Lots and lots and lots of knowledge. They can quote verse backwards and forwards. They can can spit out scriptures about prosperity, about healing, and and a lot of it is not, head head knowledge does not activate the word of God. It, It has to become the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So, so. So it's not just knowing, it's knowing, knowledge, understanding, the concept of it, and then wisdom is when it's applied. So you can sit in church and say amen all you want to, but if you don't go apply what's taught to you, all you have is information, you have no revelation. You just have information. Mm-hmm. That's why the illustration of a smoking doctor. Does, does he not know? You don't have to be a doctor. But do, but do, you, do you not know? I mean, I, I, mean I, I did it for 10 years on every packet. It said, the Surgeon General has determined this, that these things are harmful. Matter of fact, they'll kill you. Well, I got to have them. Why? Why do you have to have them? Well, it calms my nerves. What do you think peace is for? Did you you know that no doctor that I know of has ever diagnosed anyone with cancer causing peace? So what happened, doctor? We did an x-ray and there was overabundance in the white cells of shalom. (laughs) (laughs) Peace, peace. (laughs) We got a major problem here. We're gonna have have a a blood transfusion. There's There's too much peace in here. And then we, we looked over in the white cells and there was joy over there. And, 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 and now that's causing a problem with all this peace and joy. So the guy was worried. He's out there smoking. his Marlboro. I got all this peace and joy. <laughs> well, how long have you been smoking? Oh, I've been smoking 20 years. No, Cigar's been smoking. You're just a sucker. That's what, the, that's what the guy told me. He said, how long have you smoked? I said, about 10 years. He said, you ain't never smoked a day in your life. I said, He says, "Now the cigarette doesn't smoke. And he says, you're just the sucker. I I quit at a dollar and 10 cents. Now it costs a whole lot to kill yourself. Or eat yourself to death. Right? Uh, Now I'm meddling, so I got to get off all that. But does the doctor have knowledge of that? Yes. But if he smokes, he's not applying it. So so the wisdom, the, the knowledge that he has has never become wisdom to him. Jesus Christ is all wisdom. He's the full revelation of God, the very imprint of God. So if you've, seen, if you've seen or heard from Jesus, you've just talked to God. But Jesus, he healed, he taught, he's sick, he, del- he, did. he was the complete will of God. So Jesus is the wisdom of God applied in your life. Is that, is that plain? I don't know how to make it any plain to that. So that's what a devil man does. He hesitates. So only by applying do you gain understanding. Wisdom is the knowledge that you have understanding or acted upon, but it only becomes wisdom to you as you act upon it. Finishing right here this morning. Take me one minute. What I'm saying in closing today, I even wrote that in my notes. I said, Lord, I, I thought that meant He wouldn't talk about it the no more. It's like I got to have some sleep. <laughs> he said, Well, write this in closing today. <laughs> I'm going to have to take a nap today sometime. <laughs> what I'm saying in closing today in God is he provided everything you need to succeed. His wisdom is the potential for your success. His wisdom potentially is your success. Potentially. Faith answers all things. Potentially. Love never fails. Potentially. If it becomes wisdom. Your, his wisdom is the potential of your excess, but it will require courage. Here's a quote. It takes courage to grow up and become who you really are. And you can do it. I'll I I tell you never see but you can do it. Now, what I said was it takes courage to grow up and become who you really are. You can do it because courage is simply grace under pressure. Grace under pressure. And you're fully, you're fully supplied with the spirit of grace. Amen. So today you have potentially the answer that you need to walk out of that situation. Well, there seems to be no way. The doctor doesn't know any way. The financial experts don't know any way. The psychologist doesn't know any way. But now you come to the God of all wisdom, the grace, the spirit of grace of every answer. You say, well, I'm trying to be strong. Quit. Well, stop it. Stop it. You stop trying to be strong. He says, that doesn't sound like a good answer. God's gonna move in your life this week, Wes. God's gonna do something in your life. It's time for you to step out and make a move in that situation. I'm not saying what you've done or how you're doing it's wrong, but God's gonna make a move in your situation and your family this week. And as you step out, just, just take a step of faith even though it doesn't make sense naturally to do it, a door will open as you take steps forward into that place that you're supposed to take. You see, sometimes what we do is we, we go over the numbers and say, it would make sense to do this because of this or because of that, so that's why we're doing this. Well, that's not right. One time in my 20s, I was out of a job and I couldn't find a job for a little while. And the Lord said, he says, I want you to get ready this morning. He said, get your, get your shower and get your clothes on. And get out of here and don't come back till 530. I said, well, why? He said, because you're, you, you're the man and you're, you're the head of this family and you're, the, and you're the provider. And I said, well, I don't have a job. He says, I don't care if you go sit on the park bench. He said, I don't want you in that house till 530 this afternoon. I thought, that's kind of, really? He says, yeah, really. So let's, let's get to move on. Now, it wasn't that he wanted me on the park bench, but he wanted me to understand that, that God created the man first, right? Then he created a woman by his side to be a helpmate. So, so I needed to be in my role in my, duly, in, in my anointed place with my wife by my side. And if they offered me a job at Jack's on the second shift, then he says, then take it. He says, you'll prosper more than anyone who's ever worked here, and maybe within a year I'll have, you'll own this place. See, it's not the math of if I go here and I go do this, it's only gonna add up to this or not. It's the principle you're putting into action. Okay. Now, and our nation has been rescued from, from uh, we, we, we got money, we all like money, and we all what like, we call free money, but it's not free. It's not free to you, it's not free to your kids, it's not free to your grandkids. If we did what our government did, we would be, the FBI would arrest you today and you'd be in prison forever. Because all we're doing is printing money that we don't have and we don't have anything to back it up with. This country is in a mess. That's the reason why you can't put your faith in this world or this world system or the Babylonian system that created it. Your, Your treasures in heaven, if I can, Uh, Borrow Pastor Bill's wonderful title, The Treasures in Heaven is is stored up for you. And God, by His grace, will give you, the. if it's just a nugget, that's all that you need. He's not gonna tell you the whole picture. When I graduated from Bible school, I I had no idea I was gonna pastor a church. I didn't wanna pastor a church. I was shocked that I even went to Bible school. I was just gonna come back and get in business and I saw, well, I, I could help people in the business realm. I had no desire whatsoever to pastor. That was the last thing I wanted to do. So you know what the Lord did in his wisdom? He didn't talk to me about it. <laughs> he didn't. And then after a year of just sitting in the church, all of a sudden this desire began to build in my heart and I couldn't get away from it. I could go home, I could get on a motorcycle, I could go 100 miles an hour, I could outrun it, I could, I could swim in, in the ocean, I could go underneath, I could snorkel. You, you, you can't get away from the Holy Spirit you know, in the ocean, you can't go 30 foot, 1,000 foot in the air, you can't hide in a cave and tunnel, he's everywhere. And he said, I want you and I'm waiting for your answer. Well, I was, I was just, I was going to church and I was going to Word of Life and Pastor Will walked up to me on a Sunday, he says, he said, how long have you been out of rain? I said, about almost 10 months. He says, so, so what are you doing? I said, I'm running the, the business and coming here. He said, what are you coming here for? And I thought, well, I'd be fed. I don't know. It's just like whatever. He says, start a Bible study. I says, why? He said, because I told you to. He said, Did, didn't you just hear me? That's how it comes across to him. And if that bothers you, you'll—I mean, it, it, it'll be hard on you. He said, I want you to start a Bible study. You quit come up here on Sunday night, don't come up on Wednesday. He said, just gather a few people if it's just your family. I said, Well, I mean, that'd be my family. He said, well, Jesus had a mother. He said, your mother will listen to you preach. And I said, pastor, where? He says, I'm not asking you. He said, are you calling me your pastor? I said, yeah. He said, then do what I tell you. He said, do what I tell you. No one likes to hear that, do they? (laughs) See, most people, well, I get myself in trouble. Most people like to have a church and have a pastor in case they get in trouble. But they don't want to be pastored. They like it if the pastor can come when they're in trouble. They like it because he can pray the prayer of faith for them. They like it because he'll be there in a time of need for my family. But not everyone wants to be pastors. There's not a lot of amens here, probably none there. Well, I, I didn't like that that day. I was like, I mean, that, that ain't right for you to tell me to start doing that. But see, I had to have that little push. And I did that, and that thing in me that was stirring in me that just wasn't satisfied, even though it was just my family at the time, it began to satisfy that a little bit. But, then, but the problem is it was like a seed that began to grow. And, and the more I did it, the more I wanted to do it. The more I did it, and I wanted to do it. And, and we were meeting. There was about twelve, fifteen of us, and we were m- meeting in the in the business that I was running. We just had some metal chairs, and I just do a Bible study. And then I don't even remember doing this. Some of you know the story. Some of you never heard it, but they said I said at the Bible study uh, next week this would no longer be a Bible study. It's going to be a church. We are we are now officially a church. And and uh, I, I don't even remember saying it. And 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 Michelle was. Saying, she's quiet all the way home. And then someone called and they said, so what's the name of the church? I said, what church? They said, the church you said we're starting. I said, no, when you're starting no church? They said, you just, you just said we were just a few minutes ago. And I said, I did not. So I asked Michelle, I said, this is what so-and-so said. She said, that's exactly what you said. <laughs> I said, you're telling me, I told them this is no longer Bible study of the church. She said, that's what you said. And no one misunderstood you. So I asked the Lord. I thought he talked to me in three or four months. I said, Lord, I made a mistake. He says, you did. I said, he said, what did you do? I said, they said, I said, I was going to start a church. He says, you are. Let's get with it. (laughs) Today, about today, first week of June, I complete my 26 26 years of pastoring. And next month I start 27 years. Boy, it's been a ride. (laughs) I'm like the insurance folks. I know a thing or two. (laughs) Because I've seen a thing or two. (laughs) But it's been the highest privilege and honor of my, my entire life. I told one of my children last night. I said, next month will be 27 years. And I said, tomorrow... I have the greatest honor in the world as I get to stand before God's precious people. I said it took the blood of Jesus to purchase them, and He won't be there, and I'm going to speak in His absence. Me, me. I went to Clanton School, Chilton County High School. Cheated the last two years to get out of there. <laughs> Not really, but I mean I'm just saying. And I get to speak for God. That's that's amazing. That, that's so humbling, I, 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 I would never pick me for this at all. And some of y'all concur, like I can't figure it out either. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Look at your gifts and your abilities and, and, and what you've done and how God has taken you. I mean, I, there, there's a story all over this room. I remember Keith years ago, he just said, you know, I'm working with a power company, I just always wanted to sell cars. I said, you do, you want to sell cars? He said, I just always wanted to. He said, I'm going to quit the power company to go sell cars. I said, are you sure? He said, oh yeah, that's what I want to do. He quit, he quit the power company in the first year, made more money than ever made in his life, right? He didn't go to car college. He did that for 10 years, and he says, got that out of McCraw, I'm going back to the power company. <laughs> I said, well, more power to you. <laughs> Bill did the same thing. Worked for a mechanic for years, now he has his own business. Nathan did the same thing. He worked for Stokes Chevrolet going there. He's just a young guy in his 20s in there. He's just doing the working. He, he had the idea, I can do this for myself. No one handed him anything. They didn't say, well, if you do it, I'll give you all the tubers in the building and supply you all the help. No, there's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of nights he was working when everybody was asleep. See, usually success is, is not realized because it's dressed in overhaul, someone says. But he's... He's built a prosperous business. It's been a blessing to all these gentlemen to the kingdom of God. I mean, when I met Scott, he was working for a guy who, was, who brought him actually to the church. That guy's not here now, but he's here. And he met his wife. Amen. That turned out pretty good. You need to say amen, sir. Yeah, amen. That's <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I remembered when, when he was kind of let go and he didn't do nothing wrong. That company had a a pattern to let him go when I got to a certain place, so to speak. And I mean, that was probably an awkward feeling just like you go to work and it's like, we don't uh, don't need you now. And there you are, you're just sitting there unemployed. And he just went and bought him some tools and got got him I guess a credit line at Lowe's or somewhere and just bought some tools to get started and just started building what, patios, porches, just whatever someone needed. And he's done very well for himself. I'm, I'm very proud of him. And, and, and all of you in here, Matt did the same thing. He just took, you know, he just bought a business from, you know, who, uh, Brother Eric, Brother Bill gave Eric a word of knowledge about the business. And Matt's taken this business and increased it far beyond his predecessor. I mean, far beyond that. Has hundreds and hundreds of stores with multiple items in there. Does, I'm sure, hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. None of these guys, when I got started, was doing that. Jamie's done the same thing. Same thing. Came from New York. Who'd you know in Alabama? Matter of fact, you you wasn't moving to Alabama, was you? No one in New York gonna go down here with a bunch of hillbillies. But here he is. He's from Louisiana, so he... He still eats turtle. I hadn't I got that out of him yet. Youn't got that out of him? And both of them together are just I mean, they're, they're, they're just an amazing couple who have, who have reached their part of the world so much and has blessed this church immeasurably, immeasurably. It's not whether what the people did or whether they didn't. The word is in there, and it's an incorruptible seed, just an amazing. And this couple right here in front of me, the boss says, I mean, that boy, that man right there can preach. The devils don't even want to get around him. They're scared of him. The, the word's out in hell. And the who's, who's in hell? He's, on, he, he's the front poster on the door when you go in. Leave Dennis alone. <laughs> we lost 30 just last week. You think that's bad. Wait till you meet his wife. <laughs> so all of you have a story. Teresa has a story. Life hadn't been easy for her. But she comes because she wants this word for her and her daughter. She she believes this word has the capability to to produce and do everything, everything it says to do. All I've tried to do in 26 years is, 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 is put a seed in and water it and watch God grow it. That's all I've done. So I can't take any credit. Like they said, he said, these people, Paul planted, Paulus water, but it was God who gave the increase. What reward I'll get is if I was just faithful just to say, the Bible said this, and God said that, and, and then be an example of it the, the best I can, and I've made many mistakes. Many mistakes. But I think that we are in the most amazing time I don't care what you're seeing or not seeing in the room. I don't care what you're seeing in your personal life, or your finances, your body, whatever. I'm telling you, we are in the greatest turnaround. We are in, we're in the place, you said, I've heard this before, hear it again, faith comes by hearing. There's a wake up coming into this nation that we haven't saw in our lifetime. I got plenty of books on my shelves, I could tell you about what happened back in the Wales Revival, that's wonderful. But this is our time, this is our day. And this nation, is God is not through with this nation. I don't know how he's going to fix it. I don't know how he's going to do it, but it's fixed. It's fixed. If the Lord knows at two o'clock in the morning that I got a brown notebook and that the one that I taught Lev months, he said, he said about a year ago. And I looked at and it says, taught this on July the 12th. I said, well, that's, that's about a year. He says, well, that's what I told you about a year. <laughs> if, if the Lord out of seven and a half billion people knows I have a brown notebook and a green notebook it's going to be okay, y'all. It's, it's going to be all right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God, King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Jesus is King. God bless you. Amen. Nothing but nothing, nothing can keep me done.